You're listening to a Monkey Buns production. Hello, I'm Alfie Evers. You may recognise me as someone who used to go out and perform and stuff, but that's not happening now. So instead, I bring you Desert Island Goals. Every episode, each guest shortlists their three favourite goals they would like to take with them should they be cast away on a desert island. I know what you're thinking. Completely unique idea. Never been done before. Good. Hey, it's sort of football-based too. Hope you enjoy... My guest on this show is Sam Manley. He works in IT. The end. <laughs> hi, it Sam. Really is like a, hi, 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 Alfie. It is like a Desert Island disintro, but then you... No, you this is a completely it. unique idea, okay? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. No, I'm sorry. That, that intro feels a bit sparse, but I couldn't think of anything interesting to say about you. That'll do, mate. Uh, I've had Corona, probably. You probably have had Corona. You've met yeah. Nick Cave. I met what? Nick Cave. Now, I didn't meet him. I was in a room near him. In a party, though. Let's say yeah. what it is. With A-list yeah. celebrities. Yeah, he wasn't the only one. Like, he, I watched him and Annie Lennox have a long chat. And I kept <laughs> thinking, are they talking about music or are they just moaning about, like, having geriatric knees or whatever? She was probably saying to him, is that weird guy still staring at us? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> anyway, how's the lockdown parenting going? Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's, it's, it's as bad as everyone says it is. So are you doing lessons or is it just play, learn through play? Lessons, yeah, a- actual lesson. To be fair, the annoying thing is, is that Jake's actually quite good at the lessons and he's quite good at the work. It's just that the other one is just screaming and kicking off the whole time. And then I'm meant to be working and then I'm stressing and it's just, it's just a, it's just a nightmare. Anyway, good. Well, that's the optimistic vibe that we wanted for the show. Uh, we're going to talk about some goals now, Manners. Now, yes. I will address that you're, you're, you like football, but you, it's not your main sport, is it? Um, I just, I just, it's just not a religion to me. It's not something that's been with me forever. It's something that's come in and out of my life in various different ways. But that's the goals, the goals that I've chosen show a time where I was really into a specific type of football, international football. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's hard. I think it is hard for people who've grown up with it and grown up with a club like you to understand that there is a way, there is a relationship with football that isn't as encompassing, all encompassing. Um, and I'm quite comfortable with it. And I actually quite like what I have. You have a breezy relationship, like open relationship with football. Yeah. Although I have noticed in the last sort of two years, two seasons that, that level of breeziness means that it's when you do decide to dip in because you're sort of out of the storylines and you're out of the soap yeah. opera or it's a bit harder to tune in. And in fact, it's even more annoying to tune in because you're just like, there's, they, you know, all the sky hubbubaloo when they're trying to set up a, oh, today's, you know, Liverpool Man City game, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you know, and I don't necessarily know every intricate detail about who didn't shake whose hand or who's annoyed at someone or whatever. And you're amping it up to the millionth degree. And I just kind of want to watch a good game of football. Yeah. And that becomes annoying. Which is why I do still prefer to listen to a commentary of like NBC or whatever when you steal a game from the Americans. Because they don't assume that the viewer has this 
massive ongoing complete engagement with the sport and the soap opera of football they assume it's a much more casual or you know um sort of less engaged um, viewer yeah and they sort of commentate on that so it's just a lot less hyperbolic basically yeah yeah. i I agree i enjoy it especially lee dixon on nbc right let's look at your goals then right goal number one it's the 30th of june in the year 1998 this month, the BBC switched on its first ever digital signal. Jason Searle won the ninth series of Stars in Their Eyes, performing as Neil Diamond. And now, on a Tuesday evening, friends and families across the country settled down to watch England versus Argentina in the 1998 World Cup semi-final. Beckham now to Owen, and here's another Owen run. He's going to worry them again. It's a great run by Michael Owen, and he might finish it off. Oh, it's a wonderful day! So that was, of course, Michael Owen's wonder goal uh, as a young lad uh, against Argentina. Uh, what makes this goal special to you, Manus? Can I just say, I mean, you'll have just played that clip and I, I watched it again on YouTube. But I didn't play with the sound. Does it, doesn't the commentator say, he scored a wonderful, wonderful goal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, <laughs> just like that, so, yeah. Because you'll have just heard that. Um, <laughs> what makes it a special goal? Well, I mean... To you, it, what's it makes it special to you? Yes, obviously. It's a bang obvious goal. I'll start with the scenario for where I was. Uh, I think it was upper six. And I went around Phil Branson house he hosted it at his now it's the first time i'd actually gone around someone's we remember we were still i think there were still people who weren't 18 so couldn't go to pubs so going to of watch course, football yeah. in a pub was just a nightmare because it just wasn't it wasn't actually a nightmare it was just something we hadn't done as 17 you know 17 uh, year olds turning 18 like we were lucky to get into a club at the weekend or go to the local pub for a for a pint and a, a round of darts or whatever it was um but but to be able to go and watch a a game of football in one of the Larry pubs in town it was just it was just too much hassle and so you kind of still were watching I, I, on the whole I was still watching the international games with my dad or at home or with like one mate but Phil actually managed to arrange I mean his parents must have been out or something for everyone to go around his and I'm talking about about 10 or 12 people to watch the game and it was, it was 12, 10 or 12 young, young people and it was like I, the most I'd ever watched a football game with, like I said, it was like one or two other boy mates, but we had girls around as well. So mm. I, I bet we weren't even drinking, thinking back on it. But even then, um, it was it was it felt a bit like a sort of teenage party because there were boys and girls in a place like American outside Pie. Of school. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> um, Phil didn't shag an apple pie. Well, maybe he did. He probably did. It, well, actually, had more lots of sausage rolls and donuts. In fact, Phil probably did have sex with a donut at some point. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let's get back on topic. Uh, yes, yeah, so so that was I was already predisposed to probably have a brilliant evening when Owen took on, but uh, when England were taking on Argentina, then you've got obviously got the background. That, like I don't remember '86, and I can't pretend that I remembered '86 at the time, but I, but I definitely remembered Maradona in '90. Um, no. And bear in mind, this was also the first. What do you mean? Whoa, 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 whoa! Maradona. In, what do you mean? Maradona's eighty-six. Yeah, but he was also at the World Cup in ninety. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So sorry. So I should set the scene about the World Cup. So that's why the, this particular evening was predisposed to be great because of the scenario which I was watching it, which was unusual and the first, like with all your buddies in one place. Secondly, this this World Cup was meant a lot to me because. 
I remembered 1990 uh, when I was nine and really wasn't into football that much. But obviously it was a brilliant World Cup. You know, and all on all the cliches about that World Cup, the Ness and Dormer and the you know David Platt and all that crap, it all applied to me. And you know, I'd go and I would watch the game, and then I'd go down the local park with my uh, the guys on my street to play football immediately after. All of that cliches, mm. and I bloody loved it because I really wasn't into football, but I really got into that World Cup and the penalty shootout. It was the first time I'd ever seen one or knew what one was. It was brilliant. It was amazing. I was like, great. When do we do this again? Well didn't for eight years um i just could i remember going around a friend's house in 94 to watch bits of the world cup and i was like i just still couldn't fathom how england and you know i wasn't even like from a family which you know went on about england this England and that or whatever but i did remember thinking surely we're a big enough and important enough footballing nation to just get a buy into the world cup or something this is just get in there yeah yeah, it was just unfathomable to me that going from 1990, where it felt like we were on the brink of it, to the next World Cup, we did we weren't even at the we we didn't even get to the party. It was just I just couldn't I just couldn't get my head around it. So I it was a real weird thing to get really into international football, and then 92 came and went. And that was an awful disappointment. Euros, yeah. And then and then and then for 94 to happen. And then obviously 96, which we'll go back to because it's another one of my goals. But um, so getting to 98, though, what was significant about it was that it was an actual World Cup. And I remember going out and buying like a specific, like some sort of tabloid that had the, that promised to have a centre spread for the, you know, like the breakdown of... The planner. The planner, the wall exactly. planner yeah. And I was actually into it. And I actually read about the players. Now, I didn't, because didn't follow club football properly, knew a bit about Man United players, but didn't know about the other players in the team. Obviously knew the Gaza controversy and everything. But I actually started reading up on the other players. Um, you know, Beckham being this bit part player, but he might be great for free kicks and blah, blah, blah. You know, I started getting really into it. I was just super excited about a summer with my friends. And was it exciting for you? Well, it was bloody brilliant, wasn't it? Like... I do remember watching a couple of the group games on my own at home or with my dad. But, you know, it was, you knew you were building towards the knockout phases and ultimately we only had one knockout game. Um, but, yeah, I was super enthralled by the idea of Argentina, bearing in mind, you know, the, the history, I was aware of it. And, you know, that we we did seem to, you know, I just kept thinking, we've got Shearer and, you know, 96 we it was such an injustice so it's time it's our time it's our time and at 1-1 uh which it w- was in the first half it was looking pretty even but we looked all right and then and then um yeah and then the ball just pops over to Owen at the halfway line and the way that Argentina defense Argentinian defender backs off him when he gets into the penalty area or doesn't or isn't lunging into him just thinks he's not gonna be able to pull this off and then <laughs> nails it top corner on the other side uh the way skulls co- is, is, i think it's skulls that comes into yeah skulls probably, was coming in on the right hand side to finish yeah, it, yeah. it probably better shot and you you know people have gone on about that for years about how uh, the cliche of um, him being an absolute goal poacher and wouldn't let anyone else take the ball and all the rest of it uh but it was all of that you know it was it an amazing was just, goal wasn't it it's, a, it's just a brilliant brilliant and also like you talk about the speed of owen um you know, and it was all about pace. But it is, but he did have a lovely touch and he did have a lovely way of running that the, def- the defender always felt that they were close enough to keep him contained, but they were never close enough 
to stop the goal. But um, either way, if you watch you watch the body language of everybody on the pitch where he scores that goal, nobody thought he was going to do what he did or could have done what he did. And it was and that's exactly what it was like for us back there. You know, we were like one one. It was tight. It was edgy, but we really felt like we were in it. And then Owen just picks up the ball at the halfway line, just keeps going and you're screaming and everyone's up on their feet, everyone's shouting. And I remember when he got to the edge and Skulls comes in that close, I was like, I, I think I was being jostled around enough. I couldn't really <laughs> see who hit it. I wasn't even sure that it would have been hit properly because it got pushed around. And then I just, I just saw Owen running away like that. And I was like, he's scored, he's actually scored. Well, you just don't do this. At 28 years of age, let alone 18, he runs at people, the pace is frightening, but the finish is unbelievable. Uh, so away from football very quickly, uh, can you guess what was uh, number one in the UK single charts at that time? Spice Girls. No, it's Three Lions, 98. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was quite a good year for pop music, actually. Uh, before before that, it was Say La Vie by Bewitched. <laughs> Bucky's got off and one of them, hasn't he? Do you remember that story? Yeah. Uh, and then after it, can you guess the song? Because We Want To by Billy Piper. Oh, my God. What a great year. Anyway, Jesus. was there anything else you want to say about that goal before we move on? Well, it was a bloody shame what happened to Owen in a way. Massive um, shame. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure lots, there's loads of pundits who've done loads of stuff on him and what happened. But the biggest shame is that he's a complete knob as well. Having read that bloody autobiography, he is a genuine knobhead. But winners are, mate. Winners are knobs. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to goal number two now, Sam. Okay. We're going forward in time now to the year of the Space Odyssey 2001. Uh, Deputy Prime Minister John Prescott punches a protester who threw an egg at him in real. Uh, The country is plunged into crisis with the outbreak of foot and mouth disease. (laughs) and Neil and Christine Hamilton are cleared of sexual assault charges it's the 1st of September in four days time Peter Bray will become the first man to complete the crossing of the Atlantic in a kayak but before then England will go to Germany to Munich and do this Gerard. oh it's it yes Gerard's shot was deflected but it's 2-1 England a smiling Sven a jubilant English end of the stadium right on half time Stephen Gerrard there scoring uh, to make it 2-1 uh, away to Germany for England uh, it was a special night what makes this goal special to you the Manners? well first of all it's the best goal if you watch them by far a long way but it's more the significance obviously in the game but also the significance of what Gerrard was because so 2001 I think um, is I don't know I know it is. I, it, what ended up happening was so it's a qualification game for the World Cup, and what ended up happening for that qualification was that we ended need it, ended up needing Beckham to pull out that draw against Greece. Oh famously. yeah, yeah. So I was going to do that one because I remember being so incredibly stoned in my living room at uni <laughs> with my housemates who didn't really understand or weren't really interested in football, but turned we had it. Me and Ben had it on, and we were so fucking stoned, and I couldn't believe what was happening. And it, you know, it came good. It was amazing. But the problem with that is I always think that was a bit disappointing because it's always upheld as Beckham pulling us up by the bootstraps and winning the game for us. But when you think of, it always depresses me because. 
you know, when, when other countries have a player that, you know, imperialistly pulled up the rest of the team by the, the straps and, and helped them win a game, it's Perlo or it's Zidane pulling the strings in a way that is like, uh, mm. with sort of an imperial, I can't think of the right sort of adjectives, but basically there's a class to they're it. They're like a, a the lack pup, of puppet master, aren't they? Exactly. Whereas if you watch Beckham against Greece, he was just going absolutely mental. He was just like demented, running around everything, just trying to get the ball and then just launch it. Basically, it was it was our version of someone trying to <laughs> trying to be Roy of the Rovers, and it wasn't pretty. Anyway, so I didn't choose choose that one. I chose the the, the Gerard goal. I chose it for its position in the game. Um, bear in mind that uh, you know. So if you watch the, if you watch the highlights on YouTube, it, they they set the scene for you. You know, no one had ever beaten Germany in the World Cup qualifier on their home soil ever. And also, like, you know, it was still the Germans, and they're still brilliant. Uh, Balak and the ball. What's that bald headed guy that looks like a really tall Phil? Um, who was their striker? Um, oh, he's rubbish. Kirsten Yank, Kirsten Yank, Yanker. 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 He was awesome. Um, but anyway, so the, there was a there was a lot riding on this game, and you know we were going to be lucky to come out with one one. Uh, well, extremely lucky to come out with one one. That was that was the thinking going in, and and sure enough, the Germans score like really quickly and a really soft goal. With that, that bald-headed bloke scoring it. And then we dragged one back. I, I seem to think it was some sort of header or maybe it was a penalty or something. It wasn't a great equaliser. But we started to take control of the game. Now, I was in a pub with um, a new housemate. We'd Me, me and Ben had um, taken this... We, we, we hadn't found anyone for our third year of uni. Me, Ben and this other girl who wanted to live together. So we ended up taking three rooms in a house with four other people who had taken a seven-person house but couldn't fill the last three rooms. So we took those rooms. And then I got to uni early because I was just bored of being at home. And there was this one other girl. I think, no, maybe there's a couple of people at the house already. This one girl who I ended up sleeping with. But she was... <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I was like, does anyone want to come to the pub and watch the game? You know, it's this, this really important qualifier, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was just stoned, like, no, no, no. And they weren't really into football or whatever. So I was like... Um, but again, Kirsten was like, oh, yeah, I'll come with you because obviously she fancied me enough to want to go to the pub and watch a football game. So we went to... Um, she must have been blind fight. drunk already. <laughs> <laughs> she was saying. Um, but uh, it, was, it was sort of quite local. It was quite a locals pub. And it also, also wasn't during term time yet, so there wasn't quite a lot of students around. So it was quite leery and quite locally or whatever. And we were quite stoned already. And we started drinking and I was just, I was dead nervous, but I was trying to not be too nervous in front of her because like, she's not that into football and I didn't want to appear like I was just complete, you know, sort of Larry Lagerlout football fan. So then the game starts and sure enough, the Germans come, I was like, oh, do you know what? Fine. This is just going to be a washout. They're going to win 2-0 or yeah. we'll get to 1-1 and then, and then they'll, they'll, they'll go and win 3-1 or whatever. So I'd relaxed a bit and then we got the equal. I was like, okay, well, this is interesting then we started to get a few more chances and we looked a bit good mm. and then um if you watch it on youtube the ball comes out to gerard so impossibly far out of the penalty area but he absolutely just smashes it just control, didn't he? just launches it and it just goes in and i just remember he hit it and i was like that's so far away what's he thinking and then it, it was such a true hit although i do now think it might have taken a deflection but yeah, I, I think that i saw that today it said it might i don't i'm not i've never thought of it as taking in a deflection before first sightings i thought maybe to just brush michael owen as it went through but i don't think anybody does get it so it's barnby he meant it and it was going it was on target and um it was such a brilliant goal because i'm <laughs> sorry so are you eating right now 
just having a bit of chocolate. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Anyway, so he scores a goal, right? England in charge before half time. But wait, the other backstory to this is that I remembered seeing Alan Hansen. I've been watching a lot of club football stuff, uh, not match a day, <laughs> club football stuff. Otherwise, other it's match a day. And um, Hansen had done this analysis one evening after a Liverpool game saying, you know, showing all the reasons what Gerard had done in that game as being absolutely amazing. And um, and at the end, he was like, and then um, Lydica says something like to him, oh, promising for England then. And then Hansen goes, yep, yep. Well, on the basis of the game today, he could be the best of the lot. And then um, Lydica goes, praise indeed with Michael Owen on the field or something like that. And he goes, honestly, this kid's the real thing. He could be the best of the lot. He said the best of... I was like, oh, you know, and I really still do i really respected hansen and so when when gerard then went and scored a goal like that i was like oh yes hansen's right he is he is something special. he could be the best of the lot and then we've got a real real chance of doing it in 2002 we've got beckham we've got the superstar now we've got the, you know we've got the we've got, storm. we had balance we suddenly had balance to the yeah, team actually yeah balance we've got skulls and everything and now we've got this really really clever swashbuckling, decent, quality midfielder, young midfielder who's coming through as well. Underneath that pile of players is Steven Gerrard. I hope he survived. What a strike this is. It's a deliberate knockback, Rio Ferdinand. Chests it down and it's in from the minute it left his boot. Watch Rio Ferdinand as it comes in. Look, he deliberately knocks it back. He knows he's there. Chests it down and he's 30 yards out. Zips off the top. What a strike from Steven Gerrard. There you go. Uh, Gerard missed out in the World Cup, though, didn't he? 2002 through injury. That was a shame. Mm, uh, things yeah. could have been oh so different. Right, we're going to move on to your next goal, your third and final goal, Manners. Goal number yeah. three. Okay, so we're going to depart 2001 and travel back to the 20th century, and more specifically, 1996. Now, 1996 is a big year. Take that, I've announced that they are splitting. Princess Diana agrees to give Charles a divorce. But most importantly, football is coming home. Oh, here's Gasparri. Gasparri, you can finish it here. Gasparri, 2-0. Would you believe it? From one end of the field to the other. So, it's that Gaza goal. It's coming home. It's coming, come on, coming home. It's coming coming home. Oh, that's the wrong version. Uh, Yeah, so that brilliant Gaza goal against Scotland. I mean, it almost seems silly and contrite for me to say to you what makes this goal special to you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What makes this goal special to you, Manners? No, as I mentioned earlier, you know, got into international football in, in 1990 and then we didn't get any international football of any significance till 96 when we hosted it. And I don't, I didn't realize the significance of hosting it until this game. And until that goal, um, <clears throat> um, my mate, Joe Mewis, who was also into comics, geeky like me into comics, also into American football in a big way as well. But crucially, he also liked normal football. He was into Leeds United, really into Cantona, um, so he was like, oh, you've got to come around and watch the game. It was a Saturday afternoon, I think. Um, I was like, all right, well, I haven't got anything better to do. And I normally hung out with him on a Saturday. But I was a bit like, oh, this isn't the World Cup, so it's not going to be as good as 1990. 
and I didn't realise what a big deal it was because a we had a good team and b it was in the UK it was in England um, and so when he turned it on and he was playing in the living room and I was looking at comments and we were just messing around I think we had a computer set up as well like a PC that we played games on and we quite often would do that we'd hang out one of us would play because we only had like a one player game on his PC so one of us would play that while the other one read comics or watch some TV and then we'd swap over and I remember he wanted to really watch the game, so I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to get to play on his PC and interrupt <laughs> it. But I just, kept com- I just kept pausing it and going to sit on the couch with him because it was just like the noise and the, the shots of the crowd. And when you watch the replay on YouTube, you can see it too. It's like there's a genuine glee, even amongst all of the Scottish fans, because it's how- it was beautiful weather. It was in, you know, it was on the, in the home county. It was in the home territories. So there, there was a genuine atmosphere around um, uh, uh, Wembley. And looking back on it as well, bear in mind I was in bloody Harrogate, North Yorkshire, watching it on a telly. And I, and I think this is true if you watch lots of that stuff and any of those games that you remember from 96. The way they shot Wembley or the way Wembley came across, it really did draw you into the atmosphere of it. Mm. Like when there's the singing of Three Lions before the Germany game in the semi-final was just like... You genuinely felt like you were there. You genuinely felt like you were part of it. You don't always, you don't always get that, and I think that's I don't know. I think it was just people were just up for the tournament being in England and. It came through. It came through in the telling. It grabbed me and was like, okay, this, so this is cool. But it could have gone 1-1. And I remember seeing and watching it. I think we went up 1-0. And yes, we went up 1-0. And then they got the penalty. And they were challenging as well. There was a really good save from Seaman. And mm. we, just weren't, we just weren't bossing the game at all um, uh, at 1-0 up. And then they got the penalty, which Seaman saved. But even then, it didn't feel like a triumph. It felt like that was close. Well, you know why? You know why he missed it, don't you? Because Yuri Geller, the world-famous <laughs> psychic, he uh, he made the ball move with his mind as he <laughs> confessed years later. So, does does the ball move before he hits? I it? think it does a little bit. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So uh, there you go. There you go. It's Yuri Geller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as he said, you did it with the power of your mind. <laughs> what ever happened to him? Uh, well, he was mates with Michael Jackson, so. Oh yeah, that says it all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so they missed the penalty. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, and by that point, I was fully, fully sat on the couch, fully, fully engrossed. It was funny because I'd gone from, uh, yeah, I've watched a bit of it or whatever, <coughs> to fully engrossed to, and this is always what happens with anyone who watches England, to, oh, I'm not that interested. Oh my god, I'm massively involved. Oh my god, I wish I wasn't one. Because now I'm there shit and they're going to take you through the ringer i don't care i don't care we're not good enough oh we might actually squeak through oh no this is agony why did i bother watching yeah yeah that's what happens although all those fears were put to bed weren't they when gascoigne picks the ball up uh edge of the uh, just inside the box isn't it flips it over hendry's head i mean what happened next was just that is stuff that you practice on a park the stuff that any any person who's had any inclination to play football, no matter where you are, doing stuff like that is what football is all about. And Gaza had it in space, didn't he? But the way everyone reacts on the field and the noise that was coming from the telly when Gaza does that, when he does the flick and then he does the shot and everything about it, you just knew 
even as somebody who does, does, wouldn't understand why that was really significant, it felt incredibly important and significant and amazing and exciting and thrilling. And, you know, it was Gaza. It was Gaza. And I was just like, I just stood up. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that he'd pulled, done it. And that was it. We'd won. It was 2-0. And all of that stuff that had been going on at the other end, where we were on the skin of our teeth, had been turned on its head by this moment of utter genius and just utter, utter brilliance. And, you know, I think it did inform a lot of the way, well, let's ignore the boring Spain quarterfinal or whatever, but like it informed this belief that England did have a shout, could, yeah, could, didn't have to squeak games because up until that, it was looking like, oh, it'd be Shearer headers and squeaking by by the skin of your teeth even against a team like Scotland. But after a goal like that, you're like, oh no, we, maybe we do have a load of class. What a goal, what a goal. Um, and that is all your goals, Manners. So you've brilliant had goals. Brilliant, brilliant goals, brilliant goals. But before we send you off to the desert island, you're only allowed to take one goal with you and you get to watch it as much as you want all day, every day, if you need be. But which goal are you going to take? I'll take Owens. And however much I disliked him, it, that was just a really special time in my life. And... Apart from anything else, the longest one, like because he takes it from mid- uh, midfield, so you've got quite a lot to watch. <laughs> it's like a like, box set, yeah. Um, and I, he was because he was already. It felt like it belonged to us. That it feels like it belonged to us, me and my friends of that time. Mm. I feel like it belongs to us. Um, well, I think a lot of people feel like that about certain goals. It like it belongs to them. Uh, but the guys are one, you know, had this. I, the significance and the, the Gerard one was really important, but the the Owen one feels like it belongs to me. I think every time I watch it, I get a sense of excitement still. Yeah, you can because you can remember you can remember those feelings. That mm. yeah, brilliant. Okay, good. So that's yours. Uh, or you uh, you already get a mitre doubt of football and the complete works of Harry Redknapp's autobiography, uh, but you also get to choose one classic football shirt of any era as your luxury item. Now, which which football shirt will that be? Well, to be honest, right, luxury item. Well, look, my only England shirt that I have is the 1982. It could be any shirt football. you want. It could be any shirt you want. I know, I know. I'm saying, like, I think aesthetically, the 1982 Keegan shirt is the best. But uh, it's not good breathable material, is it? No, <laughs> I will probably just take the latest shirt that's out because it's probably got the best tech in terms of breathability and comfortability. All right, fine. And you are on an island on your own. Stones. You are on an island on your own. Uh, would you go full kicker? Shin pads and all? <laughs> yes. Because shin pads would be very useful because you don't want to take, you have to be bending over a lot and like, not like that. But you have to be like on your knees, like doing fires and like any sort of padding, any sort of equipment will be useful. You can use the studs if you had proper studs. Can to you imagine, imagine being in a boat and sailing past an island with some bloke, full kit, full football kit, trying to make a fire? Well, what? if you were John Terry, that'd probably be the case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> uh, it's time for me to let you depart uh, to your desert island. Uh, thank you so much, Sam Manny, for joining me. And uh, good Thanks luck. Thanks for having me. No problem. Good luck. Are you Are you going to do your goals? Are you going to do goals? This is not. Sorry. How sorry. you end the show? Sorry. 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 
do hope you enjoy your stay. Do hope you enjoy watching your Michael Owen goal, and I do hope you enjoy your kit. Um, take care of yourself. Thank you very much. I will do.